you for that singing this morning. Jeremiah chapter 32 is where we're going to be this morning. Jeremiah chapter 32. And I'm going to open by reading just one verse, verse 27. I think we'll read it together. Jeremiah 32, verse 27. A moment to find your place there. All right, are we ready? Jeremiah 32, verse 27, it says, Together, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Let's pray. Father, bless this time together in your word. Thank you again for your goodness to us, for your graciousness in allowing us to meet. And Father, may your word just be special encouragement to our hearts today we pray and thank you for in Jesus name amen a little Tommy was walking to town with his mom and as they were walking they walked past this one yard and a, a dog came running out from the, the the backyard of the house and come running up to the boy and the boy let out a a, a, a scream and he started to wail to cry his mom came over to him and said Tommy what's the matter did he bite you through his tears Tommy said no but he tasted me. <laughs> Fear can be a powerful thing. We talked a little bit about this Wednesday night as well, but almost every fear is based on what if, or what might happen, or what could happen. There's a lot of things this morning that we don't know, but there's one thing we do know, and we can know. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. But you notice Paul does not say, I know what I believe. It's important to know what you believe. That's not what he said. He said, I know whom I have believed. And that makes a big difference, doesn't it? He's saying, I know the Lord. I know uh, Jesus in a personal way. I know him as my Savior. I know him as my friend. I know he's not going to let me down. And the thing, and, and, and he's, he's really talking not just about things in this life, although that's included there, but he knew that no matter what happened, that, that uh, well, what did Paul say? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He was in the Lord's hand. So he said, I know whom I have believed. I know the one who walks beside me, who guides me day by day. I hope you can say that this morning. In the midst of turmoil, in the midst of trouble, we can place our confidence in the Lord who saved us and who keeps us. Jeremiah 32, verse 2, if we back up a little bit, and by the way, let me just say this, and we'll get more of this in the message, but uh, understand nothing happens to us that God is not aware of, that God is not uh, there to help us through. And, and again, the worst that can happen to us as far as this world is concerned is we can go to heaven. Now, it's not an excuse to be careless. We don't go out and play in the street. I mean, but just understand that, uh, that God is, is still God. And he's watching over. But let's look at some things. We're just three quick points. And we will be uh, brief this morning, I believe. But Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 2, it says, For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem. And Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. For Zedekiah, uh, the king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Wherefore dost thou prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. 
And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered to the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him mouth to mouth, and his eyes shall behold his eyes. And he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there shall he be until I visit him, saith the Lord. Though ye fight with the Chaldeans, ye shall not prosper. Verse 6, and Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, we'll, we'll come back to that in just a few moments, but here's Jeremiah. He's in prison. Uh, for what purpose? Well, because he just told the truth. <laughs> he prophesied what God told him to prophesy, and the king didn't like it, and so there he was in prison. But the news that came to him in verse number 2 was the city and, and the, the, the land of Judah was about to be invaded. In fact, verse 2 indicates that the king of Babylon was right outside the, the gates. <laughs> he besieged. He was there. He was, they were ready to attack. And here's Jeremiah in prison. Talk about a, a desperate situation. Not only is he in prison, not only is he going through what he's going through, but, but now he receives message that the land is about to be laid waste. The land is about to be taken over, and, and captives are going to be taken back to Babylon and all the, 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 that comes along with that. No doubt there were, imagine the people of Judah, no doubt there was fear and panic in the land. Well, we think about that. Again, I want to share some, just a few thoughts here. And uh, many of you already know this passage, but let's look at a couple things, pull a couple things out of here. We need to give us confidence, give us encouragement. Number one, understand there is no problem too hard for God to solve. Wouldn't you say this was a desperate situation for Judah uh, and for Jeremiah even himself? Uh, but there's no problem too hard for God to solve. Look at verse 6. After all, after all the bad news... Verse 6, Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamael, the son of Shalem, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of the redemption is thine to buy it. So Hanamiel, my uncle's son, I know there's, uh, you have to read through the names here, but uh, came to me in the court of the prison according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, Buy my field, I pray thee, that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is thine, the redemption is thine, buy it for thyself. Then I knew this was that this was the word of the Lord. What, what the Lord said would happen is exactly what happened. Uh, and then look at verse 9. I bought the field of Hanamael, my uncle's son, that was an Anathoth, and weighed him the money and even 17 shekels of silver. And then skip down for, to verse 14. It says, Thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these evidences, the evidence of, of the purchase, the deed there, both which is sealed and the evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards, look what it says, shall be possessed again in this land. In other words, in the midst of, of the impending chaos, in the midst of, of impending doom, if you will, judgment upon Israel, God comes to Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, I want you to buy some land in Judah. Now, wait a minute, that sounds kind of foolish, doesn't it? What good is a deed if you don't own the land? I mean, if the land is, is uh, taken over by someone else. But he says, Jeremiah, I want you to buy some land. Uh, and then uh, he, he gives him some details there of what to do. And so the, uh, as, as the land is about to be laid waste, subjected to years, unknown years of desolation, filled with darkness and despair, and yet Jeremiah buys land, is told to buy land. That's exactly what he does. Again, this wasn't just some, well, what might happen. Verse 2, it, they were ready to attack, okay? Uh, the outlook was bleak, but that didn't matter because God had a plan, Right? God had a plan. We just read that in verse number, where was that? Verse number 15. He says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the Lord of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. He said, Jeremiah, just hold on to that deed. 
because it's going to be good one day. <laughs> You're going to be able to, to possess the land. Field, houses, fields, vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Understand this morning there's no problem, no obstacle, no hardship too difficult for God to handle. Amen. Whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's a situation at work, a broken relationship, whatever it is, when problems arise, God doesn't sit there and scratch his head trying to figure out what he's going to do. Now how am I going to get him out of this one? <laughs> when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God didn't say, well now what am I going to do? I've got to make a whole new plan. No, God already knew all about it. The plan was already there for the redemption of mankind. Same thing with every problem you face. God already, he, he knows all, he knew about it a long time ago. And so uh, he, he's the one who can help us through. Uh, and, and, and not that everything's going to be rosy. There were difficult times for, for uh, uh, David and, and, and Daniel. And I mean, think of all the ones in Scripture. They had to go through the fire, some of them. <laughs> But God was there with them and for them. And so there's no problem, no obstacle, no hardship too difficult for God to handle. You know, there's times in our lives, and times in ministry, quite frankly, but times in our lives when we look at the situation around us and we say, how are we ever going to get through this? You ever thought that? You don't have to raise your hand, but <laughs> how are we going to make it through this, right? I think if we're honest, I mean, I've, I've thought that, even said it at least once out loud and, and uh, was... I say this corrected by my wife, but anyway, <laughs> or reminded, reminded by my wife of, of the promise of God. How, what, what are we going to do now, <laughs> right? How are we going to get through this? The problem is that too often we're looking to ourselves for the answer instead of to the Lord. I just read this on Facebook this morning. Conversation uh, you have with yourself about things you cannot change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God about things he can change. <laughs> How much better would it be, even in the midst of what we're going through in America today, if we spent as much time uh, praying as we did worrying? <laughs> uh, you understand, we need to switch the two out, all right? Because if you're praying, you shouldn't be worrying. But, but think about that. If we spent as much time on our knees praying about what's happening around us uh, as, as people do worrying, how much better off we would be. You know, I'm reminded of a passage in Genesis 26, a story, an account where God told Isaac, and you know the story a minute, but God told Isaac to, uh, uh, to, to sow seed in the midst of drought. Uh, they were undergoing famine, drought in the land, severe drought, and God told Isaac, go plant some seed. Uh, now again, that might seem illogical to us. There's no rain. There's no, the, the ground is like, uh, you know what happens when there's a drought, right? The ground is so hard and cracked and dry and dusty. Nothing would ever grow, but he told Isaac, plant. And Isaac obeyed God's word, and even though it may have seemed illogical, Genesis 26, verse 12 reveals what happened. It says, Isaac sowed in the land and received in the, in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Now, you may have heard that quote. I don't want to get off track this morning, but on TV by some who are trying to who say, just plant your seed and in the midst of famine and, and uh, you know, send me your money and, you know, well, you, uh, God will give you a hundredfold. That's the hundredfold is what they always say. You give $10, God will bless you with. Uh, they've taken a principle of, of God's working and blessing and turned it into a principle of greed, so don't fall for that, all right? But the principle is that even in difficult times, we just keep sowing seed and God's going to bless. God's going to provide. We just keep being faithful, doing what God has called us to do, and he is going to bless.
So what do we do when things don't make sense to us? As I said, we just keep plowing ground, just keep sowing seed, and trust God to do what he's promised. And I guess that's one thing that concerns me about, uh, and I'm not criticizing anybody in regard to this. It's a serious thing and all of that, but what concerns me is, is uh, you know, God knew this virus is coming, all right? And we can either bury our heads and, uh, and, and fret and worry and go into to our, to the bunkers, the hiding, uh, or we can lean on the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to teach me? How do you want to use me in the midst of this adversity? Uh, what do you want to do in me and, and through me during this time of burden and difficulty? You know, I've said many times before that trials in life provide opportunities to be used by God that we would never otherwise have. And so again, I, please understand, I'm not telling you to go, to go lick doorknobs or anything, all right? I'm not telling you to be, uh, to be careless. But the point is, if we're so worried and fretful and, and fearful, if we run around uh, shouting that we're all going to die like so many in the world are doing, we're going to miss opportunities yeah. to be able to use by God. Again, not saying we shouldn't be cautious. We do a lot of things to be cautious, right? We could, there's 101 other ways that we could die today other than this virus, okay? Every time you get in your car, there's a possibility. But what do we do? We constantly... I run around in fear that we're going to, oh, today I might die, today I might die. Do we do that normally? So why do we do it with this? <laughs> we take precautions when we get in the car and we drive. Uh, the seatbelt thing, and I mentioned Wednesday night, we don't swerve all over the road, okay? We stay in our lane. We try to uh, do what we need. Everybody here, I'm sure, has fire detectors, fire smoke detectors in your house. Do you not? <laughs> why? Don't you have faith? Don't you trust God? Well... Yes, but we take common sense uh, uh, precautions. And the Bible talks about precautions too. Okay, you can read that. And there was things for quarantine, things for other things they were supposed to do and not touch and all that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean we lack faith, right? And so what is it? You can take precautions and still trust God, okay? Yeah. But the point is... Again, we don't, uh, uh, we don't take the attitude of the world and, and you hear some on the television about I don't know how many millions of people are going to die. They already know. I guess they have a crystal ball or something. But, uh, but nobody knows except God okay, what the outcome is. But no matter what comes, what do we do? We trust God. <laughs> we trust God. And so bottom line, not to drag this out, bottom line is hardship is no excuse to stop serving God. Uh, when there's obstacles, what do we do? We work around the obstacles, okay, uh, to, to, to do what God is. We don't abandon ministry. Now, I would say this. There might we, There's probably going to be in these weeks ahead some ways that we need to go to change the way we minister, okay? Uh, but we don't stop ministry. We find new ways to yeah. serve, to minister to those uh, outside these walls. And I've said many, many times, you've heard me, uh, the, the fact is ministry doesn't happen here anyway. It happens out there. We get prepared for ministry, hopefully, get prepared for ministry here, and we go out there and we minister. And so there's people maybe that you know, and there's some ways that we could talk in, in the future days of how we might be able to do that. But, but uh, there might be someone who lives next door to you or someone you know who, uh, who wasn't able to get toilet paper at the grocery store, all right? Uh, or, or whatever it is, they might need to run and get something, and, and they're... they're they're ill or they've been, they're very susceptible to this. So what do we do? Well, we call them and say, can I get anything for you? Is there anything you need? That's called ministry, okay? Uh, and so there's many ways we can do that, even in the midst of, of what we're going through today. But we need to plant some seeds in the midst of darkness, 
in the midst of famine if we want God to, to bless us. So number one, there's no problem too hard for God to solve. Number two, there's no promise too hard for God to keep or to fulfill. No hard to, promise too hard. Look at verse 15 in, in uh, Jeremiah 32. Again, he gave the promise. It's the last part there. He says, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. He goes on now, when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase and the Baruch, the son of uh, Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, Oh, Lord God, behold, thou hast made heaven and earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. There's nothing too hard for thee. Jeremiah was, was uh, confident, uh, had confidence in God. We won't read all of these verses, but he goes on, Thou showed loving kindness. He reviews all the blessings of God and how he delivered them from Egypt and the signs and all the things that God did for them. He, he enumerates many of them. Verse 21, Thou hast brought forth the people out of Israel or out of Egypt, rather. Uh, verse 22, into a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, you can read through that later. But, but uh, Jeremiah says, you've, you've done so much for Israel. And he makes that bold statement, There's nothing, Lord God, I know there's nothing too hard for you. I believe you, I trust you, I have faith in you. There's nothing too hard for you. But skip down to verse 24 for a moment. Uh, after he enumerates all of those blessings, those assurances, verse 24, behold the mounts, they are coming to the city to take it. And the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans that fight against it because of the sword and the famine and of the pestilence. And what thou hast spoken is come to pass, and behold, thou seest it. He comes back to present day. Verse 25, And thou hast said unto me, O Lord God, buy thee the field for money and take witnesses, for the city is given to the hand of the Chaldeans. Verse 26, Then came the word of the Lord and Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? So as he reviews the current circumstances, he ends, I believe, begins to question a little bit. Can we say that? <laughs> to doubt a little bit. You say, well, what makes you say that? Because of God's response. In the next couple of verses there, God had to give him a reminder. He said, Lord, I know you did all those things in the past. I know you can do anything. <laughs> but he said this this is different. This is hard. Uh, this is a hard one, Lord, he says, to see. Again, I, uh, God, uh, we look at verse again, 30, 27. God had to give him that reminder. I'm the Lord. And he asked the question, is there anything too hard for me? So Jeremiah needed a little reminding that the God of the past is the God of today. And the God of the past, the God of today, is the God of tomorrow. There's no promise too hard for God to fulfill our faith. I'll say one more time. We said many times, our faith is not a blind faith. There's substance and there's evidence. That's what the author of Hebrews tells us, okay? There's evidence and substance to our faith. It's not just a, a, a pie in the sky type thing or, or just hope for the best. And uh, No, we, there's, there's evidence to our faith. I heard one time about a, uh, and I may have used this before, but about a high school science teacher. He was teaching on the property of various metals and how they respond to different uh, acids and, and things. And, and uh, he held up a silver dollar in, day, in class one day and he said, now students, when I drop this silver dollar in this jar of acid, I want you to tell me, will it dissolve? One student spoke up confidently and said, absolutely not. Well, the teacher asked him then, well, how exactly, young man, tell me how exactly you know that it won't dissolve? Which the student responded, because if it did, you wouldn't drop it in. <laughs> well, he knew the answer. Why? Because he knew the teacher. <laughs> he, knew, he knew the teacher well enough 
to know what he would and wouldn't do. But we have faith in God because why? Because we know him. <laughs> we know, uh, we know that, that what he does is always in line with who he is, with his person, with his character. And so there's evidence, there's substance to our faith. Jeremiah's faith and obedience was not based upon a hunch or a feeling. It was based on the promise of God. God said there will be, uh, this land will be restored. Yeah. Now, I know some base their salvation, some base their, their, uh, their, their joy even, or their, their, their Christian experience of life. Some base their faith on feeling. And they get this little tingle. Oh, that must be of God, right? It had to be of God. There was this chill run up and down my spine. Well, you know as well as I do, you can, you can get the flu and have a chill down your spine, all right? Uh, you can get a chill. Uh, so how do we know it's of God? Well, because God declares in his word. He gives us those, what is it, 10,000 or so promises. They tell us uh, in, the, in, the, in the word of God, and God will keep every single one of his promises. There's no problem too hard for God to solve, no promise too hard for God to fulfill. One more. And we'll just kind of add this one for free this morning, all right? Just as a reminder, there's no person too hard for God to save. Yeah. In Jeremiah 32, verse 30, it's in our text. Verse 30, for the children of Israel and the children of Judah have done only done what? Evil before me from their youth. For the children of Israel have only provoked me to anger with the work of their hands, saith the Lord city hath been to me as a provocation of mine anger to my fury from the day that they built it even unto this day that I should remove it from my face. Do you get the idea God is upset here? <laughs> because of all the evil of the children of Israel and of the children of Judah which they have done to provoke me to anger they, their kings, their princes, their priests, their prophets the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem they've turned uh, unto me the back and not the face though I taught them rising up early and teaching them yet they have not hearkened to receive Instruction, but they set their abomination in the house, in the, in the house, which they called by my name to defile. They defiled the, the, the tabernacle, the temple. They shall, uh, they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire in a Molech, which I commanded them not. Neither came to my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. And now therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the city whereof you say it shall be delivered in the hand of the king of Babylon, from the, by sword, famine, by pestilence. Look what it says, verse 37, here it is. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whither I have driven them in mine anger, and in my fury, and in my great wrath, and I will bring them again into this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Israel was a hard people to love. Hard people for Moses to love, even though he did it, but hard people for God to love. He gives all these things, the evil they've done and all that sort of thing. But God says when they repent, I mean, that's the idea after this judgment. And you know the circle that they were in, all right? God would have to send judgment. They would repent and God would restore them. Uh, so understand God is a forgiving God. God was willing and able to redeem Israel, a people that repeatedly disobeyed him, that, that forsook him, went a whoring after other gods. What mercy and, and depth of love God extended to such sinful people. But the good news is that same God is willing and able to save all who come to him today. Doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter where they're from, doesn't matter what sins they may have committed, Christ died on the cross that all men might have opportunity to be saved. Now, do we believe that? Do we really believe it? Because if we really believed it, 
I think our attitudes might be a little different. I think our efforts might be a little different. I think how we approach people, how we uh, uh, win, so how we go soul winning would, would be different. We're not careful. We can be guilty of judging someone's worthiness to receive the gospel. We think we know, and again, not to get off track this morning, but I think of the parable of the sower and the seed, and we know the, the principle of the gospel, and the, the, we usually focus on the, the soil, different kinds of soil, how they receive the seed. But you know what I see in that story, in that parable, is that sower, he didn't care where the seed fell. We say, that's careless. He's wasting money. No, he wasn't willing to judge the hard soil or the to, unworthy to receive. He, just, he knew some seed would take, <laughs> so he just kept spreading seed. We don't know where seed is going to take. Right? God, that's not up to us. God doesn't say you've got to make the seed grow. He just says you've got to spread the seed. And so there's no person too hard for God to save. We have no right to judge someone whether they'll listen or not, whether they'll, they'll respond or not. What we're doing is we're, again, judging their worthiness to receive the gospel. Yeah. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of trouble and turmoil, we have the assurance this morning <clears throat> that there's no problem too hard for God to solve. There's no promise too hard for God to keep. And there's no person too hard for him to save. You know, faith, we talk about you just got to have faith. Well, faith is not just some feeling that everything's going to be okay. All right? Uh, faith is simply believing the promises of God. And his promises are true whether we're going through sickness or, or trial or, or uh, and again, this this is going to affect a lot of people physically, but this is already and will affect a lot of people in a lot of other ways, financially. Uh, I mean, of all the businesses that have been shuttered and, and, and all that sort of thing for, for much longer than the, the physical effects, I think, of this. Uh, but faith is, is just believing in the promise of God in spite of all those things or in the, in, through all of those things. So my question to you this morning is, what about you? Are you willing to believe God? Are you willing to place your faith in him, in his word, as promises in his word? I close with this story. And again, I know I've used this before, but hopefully you've forgotten. <laughs> but about a little girl, they, she was on a ship, and, and uh, they were out to sea, and, and the, the sea began to get, waters began to get rough, and the storm arose, and, and the ship was just, just back and forth and back and forth, and... and uh, got a personal story about that I can tell you later. But anyway, <laughs> the ship was going back and forth. And uh, these experienced sailors, so much so that these, these experienced sailors were beginning to panic, begin to fear for their lives. And they look over and see this little girl uh, uh, on, the, on the ship's uh, deck there, and she's just seemingly has no care in the world. I mean, she, she doesn't look worried. Uh, she doesn't look frightened. Uh, and and this one of the sailors went over to her and said, young, young lady, aren't you afraid? The little girl said, no. The experience said, well, why not? She said, because my daddy's the captain. <laughs> Her daddy was driving the boat. And so she had confidence. So as bad as the waves get, uh, as hard as the storm may be, understand, if you're saved this morning, your daddy's the captain. <laughs> He's in charge of the vessel. Uh, and uh, we can trust him with our very lives. Whatever it is you might be facing, whether it's the current circumstances going around or, or what, maybe there's something personal in your life, you're not sure how to figure it out, how to make things work. The good news is we don't have to do it on our own. We know who's in charge. We know the captain. We know the, uh, the captain of the ship. 
The Lord is able to, to strengthen the weary. He's able to heal the brokenhearted. He's able to direct the path. And I might add this morning, and some would say you're being foolish, but I would say he has power to stop this disease. And so I would encourage you, yes, take precautions, but then pray, okay? Uh, pray uh, in the midst of all of this that God would be magnified uh, above all else. Uh, and uh, the government uh, doesn't have enough resources to fix this, okay? Uh, their resources are our resources, but that's a whole other story. But, but they don't have enough uh, to, to solve this. And so may we go to the Lord and, and pray for his help and healing. But most of all, again, in the midst of difficulty, it ought to drive us to our knees to understand that, that we need God. When we don't know what's happening, when things are out of our, beyond our control, what do we do? We trust God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We're not going to, I don't think, give a formal invitation necessarily this morning. But just where you sit, I hope uh, that you just remember, no matter what happens these days ahead, God is still God, and he's still a good God, and he's still a faithful God. He'll keep every promise of his word. What does he promise? He hasn't promised this life would be easy. He didn't promise that we'd never have sickness or disease or uh, sin brought those things, by the way, in this world. God didn't bring those things. But, but what he has promised is you're in my hand, and no one, no one can pluck you out of my hand. And so uh, if the worst comes to us, as far as this world is concerned, God says, I've got you. I've got you. He's still going to be faithful to all he said he would do. And uh, so I, I pray that as we go from here, that we can exhibit that joy, that confidence that we have in Christ. Not to be foolish, uh, but to be faithful and to rejoice that we have a God. Uh, we know him. And uh, he's always true to his character, to his purpose, to his promises. Father, bless as we close our service this morning and uh, be reminded of, of, of who you are, who we are in you, whose we are. And uh, Father, while, uh, while we, we try to do what, take the precaution necessary as we would in any other situation in our life, but, but uh, then we just need to, to put ourselves in your hands to trust you certainly not to lose our joy, not to give in to the, to the doom and gloom that is hanging over our, our country right now, our world right now. But, uh, Father, we can rejoice because we know uh, who's driving the boat. And, uh, Father, we know that you will take us safely to the other side. And uh, whether that means temporarily, whether that means uh, eternally, you're going you're gonna to take care of us, and so we trust you with all things. There are people we're concerned about this morning, certainly, some that we know, many we don't know, but uh, who are impacted by what's happening. But, Father, we just uh, ask for your, uh, again, uh, provision for them. But, uh, uh, again, as someone has, uh, has once said, that, that uh, we, we can't be threatened by heaven. I mean, we, we don't go around worrying, fretting every moment of every day of, of what might happen. Uh, you know all things, and so we put our, our faith and trust in you through all of this. So, Father, bless as we close this service, as we go our ways. And, again, don't know what the next few weeks hold, but we know who holds these next few weeks. This we pray and thank you for in Jesus' name. Amen.